0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back, or perhaps welcome for the first time, for the last time this year, to What Would The Smart Party Do? This is our wrap-up episode. We are the UK's Top Talk RPG podcast of <laughs> last year, it turns out now, because a new winner is there. Well done to Miss University. With me, as usual, though, on the UK's premier RPG podcast is my girlfriend, Bass. How's it going, Bass? Hello, mate. Wrap it up for the
1: common good. We can't get away with that Top Talk RPG stuff anymore.
0: I just wanted to say it one last time before we move on to a new year.
1: Did we win it for 2021? Because in that case, we've got a couple of days left, and they don't start, they don't take over from our abandoned
0: allotment until January the 1st. Well, let's say that. That seems reasonable. I mean, we're we're forever in the Hall of Fame, along with the Grognard Files and the Good Friends of Jackson Elias, so the three of us at least are, are permanently enshrined, as long as the internet exists in that hello position. Yeah,
1: it was it was a great thing to win well done Miskatonic University Nice way to end the year isn't it with the best uh, talk podcast, best AP you know it's just podcasting still going strong despite our best efforts
0: yeah and it was great to get out I think in this sort of review of the year what we'll probably do as we reminisce over the last 12 months it was great to get out to conventions is one of the things I mentioned and, and that just reminded me then about uh, dragon meet we went to this month, this very mm-hmm. month and did a seminar on how to write for RPGs for publishing, which was very well attended. Uh, even though the numbers for Dragon meet were probably half as much as they normally are, I think a rough estimate. Uh, we still got as many people as usual, so we had a packed little forum room, so it's good again, I think this year, to get out and meet some of our listeners and other gamers and get around a gaming table and uh, just meet some people in the flesh, which has been mm-hmm. a long time absent from our lives, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. It's, it's uh, by now a traditional spot at Dragon Meat. Ken and Robin do their their thing, and we do our thing. They can't put us on together, because otherwise, you know, that would blow up gaming or something. That's right. <laughs> but, but we do our thing, and we always draw a really, really nice crowd, and we, we try and make it uh, just like a live episode of the podcast, really. We just chit-chat away with us, bring special guests. We had Steamforged Matt, uh, scion of our show, <laughs> often over the last year and beyond. Uh, fan favourite, Matt of Steamforged, who came along and talked about uh, how to write scenarios as well, from, from, from frankly, from a business perspective, and uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. And I know a lot of people have commented as well, um, you know, sad that they couldn't get Dragon Meat. Um, so we were pleased to be able to make it available
0: for everyone to hear. It's a really good hour's conversation, yeah. It was good to have Paul Fricker there from The Good Friends to talk about, uh, of course, his Cthulhu experience because he's done he's done both, he writes for himself and he writes for uh, Chaosium as well, and other publishers. And he's he's writer Rivers of London, so. Uh, it's good that the um, the breadth of knowledge we had on the panel gave us lots of different views of what you possibly can do and I think that's that's one of the things that's happened over the last year more than uh, perhaps the last few years is sort of self-publishing and being able to write your own stuff and how you get stuff out there or even write for other people the things like the Free League Workshop stuff or, or other kind of uh, publishers' workshops, for want of a better phrase uh, it, It's meant with people being at home and in lockdown and things like that they've had more I don't know, it's always more opportunity but certainly more impetus to write for themselves and get stuff out there mm. which I think's it's, it's always been a thing hasn't it in the, in the role playing hobbies that people write the homebrew rules or write their own campaigns or their own scenarios and things but the, the power of the internet and everything else and I mean the luxury of time and being at home for some people has meant that a lot more of that stuff's actually made it into little books and it's mm. uh, available for sale so the people can chuck a couple of dollars around left and right and pick some stuff up
1: yeah, no shortage of material, is there? There's a shortage of time to deal with it all, if anything. We mm. live in a golden age of
0: content. Yeah, I think uh, the indie RPG pipeline was saying there's, there's something like two or 300 new games every month or something like that coming out of there. So it's not so much a pipeline as a fire hose, is the yeah. they phrase it. And that's just the indie stuff. That's not including, uh, you know, Free League or Wizards or any of the other big boys and what they're pumping out quite regularly, it seems. Uh, that's just like little cottage industries that producing lots of stuff so how on earth you get your arms around the hobby these days I don't know yeah yeah and that's just the stuff that's coming
1: out for you to get today I mean then there's kickstarters which is like a a sort of second tier of of signups really isn't it and some of those releases probably not the right word for it some of those kickstarter projects have been absolutely huge this year we'll we'll touch on those as well won't we
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and It's a bit of an odd one with Kickstarter and and other things that have been delivered but particularly Kickstarter because there's been all kinds of troubles with just getting enough paper to print books. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's still a paper and cardboard shortage. There's still transportation issues up and down the world. Uh, Certainly getting things to a port is bad enough and then there's distribution issues that we've got especially in America but everywhere else as well. People are avidly tracking ships in the China Seas and tracking where their product may or may not be, and then it gets delayed and taken somewhere else. And uh, yeah, just, just getting projects delivered once they're funded seems to be an even bigger struggle than it was, you know, a couple of years ago.
1: Mm, yep, absolutely. So it's been another one of those, uh, it's been one of those years, hasn't it? To go with the ones that we had just before. So we're gonna have a look at 2021 as we're recording at the fag end of it, about to go into 2022. Um, A weird year to sum up, but we're going to do our best, we're going to keep it RPG uh, we'll talk about some of our personal stories, talk about some of the industry stuff have a little bit of a canter back through the archives as well, remind you of some of the excellent guestage that we've had when we were indeed Best Talk <laughs> <best top> Podcast <laughs> for our golden year um, and yeah, and just try and put it maybe into a bit of context as well we're well into the second year of a global pandemic which has had massive effects on everybody for every reason without wanting to to in any way diminish the impact of something like that obviously it has an impact on rpgs as well from the cardboard shortage to the way that we play our games we've just about started to come out of our cares and our fallout bunkers haven't we and there has been some some face-to-face gaming for me it's been no more than a handful of face-to-face gaming this year it's been what 95 percent online maybe Uh even higher actually yeah and that was the same last year going into 2022 when we come around to making our predictions I, I guess that number will change but it's still we're still looking through the lens of zoom roll 20 virtual tabletops and an awful lot of online play and um, and back before there was ever a pandemic we've done shows before haven't we? we've talked about what it's like to play online back when it was an
0: option rather than a necessity yes yeah very much so and and, and to be fair i don't have a home group still uh, unsurprisingly given <laughs> the fact that there's been the pandemic and everything but uh, it's been good for me that I've actually got loads of games in because of the everybody else has been online I think if anything this last month in December it's trailed off a bit it could be that it's just the, the holiday season and people are off on parties although maybe not as much as they would have been or just have other things to do but um, I am wondering whether that's a trend now it's, December's been my worst month for gaming due to cancellations and illness and various other things and braces right. So we'll see if it picks up again in January. It could go either way. there the could be that people are bored and have nothing to do in January and have spent all their money on Christmas presents so want something to do with the Ruby's that doesn't cost anything. And then that's where Zoom and stuff comes to comes to your rescue in that respect. Mm.
1: Yeah, could be. Could be. I mean, how was it for you, mate? How was twenty twenty one if you stack it up
0: against your decades of gaming? Did you have a good year? Yes, I think so. I've not kept stats for previous years and then regretted it. And this year I've got my gaming spreadsheets that I've been avidly filling in. And uh, it, it does feel a bit lonely at first, in that, you know, when you run your first game and you've got one entry on this big spreadsheet, it feels a little bit like <laughs> a waste of time. <laughs> um, but throughout January I got 10 games in, and then another 10 for February, and then up to the, the high point of, well... No, the the penultimate high point. Does that even make sense? Second best month was March with fourteen. So yeah, it's um, 130 sessions I've played this year or jammed between mm-hmm. the team, which is pretty good. Well, it's brilliant. It's um, you know, 365 days. It's better than a couple of weeks. It's nearly three a week or something.
1: Yeah, that that sounds a lot to me. That sounds that sounds good.
0: Yeah pretty good I think uh, I'll check my numbers here yeah, October is the best month with 20 sessions played or run which is two thirds of the days, really but that was down to I think uh, there was one or two conventions around then and that really, really boosted the statistics mm-hmm. so as well as all these online games some of which I may go through as, well as we chat along as, this, as things spring to mind it was getting back to some conventions as well that was good in the latter half of the year managed to make it to Germany to the Kraken uh, there was uh, Furnace one of the Gary Cons up in Sheffield. There was the grognard, uh, grog meat. It was spelled like a piece of meat, it was the online version. Although they had a, sorry, they had an online version as well, but this was the the real version. And then of course we just went to Dragonmeet for a bit of a, a chat and oh, catch up. Albert, some
1: you went to Albert. Right? Albear as well, yeah. I made it.
0: You yeah. couldn't make it, there, unfortunately, but yeah. So I actually got to five conventions. Which, if you'd have asked me in June, I'd have probably said I'm not going to get it to any of the way it's going. So that that mm. was pretty good as well. It's great to to catch up with people although notably there were still a lot of faces missing and a lot of people are still nervous about it understandably so it feels like tentative first steps coming out of the bunker as you say blinking into the light when not everybody's out of their particular care yeah but it was good to see some faces at least Uh, and everybody was pretty good in terms of precautions and stuff you know ahead of Albert I think that was the first one of the year everybody was posting online with their test results to show that they had a lateral flow and everybody had been double jabbed and we, you know wore masks when we were in games all that kind of stuff so being sensible about it is good but um taking the first steps to normalities are even better mm.
1: okay so broadly for me i mean i didn't keep a spreadsheet and one of my immediate resolutions is i'm going to do much better at taking notes next year mm. because i've had to, <laughs> i've had to go back through two smartphones and look through various calendar apps to try and figure out what i was doing on a wednesday in, in February last year <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that Yeah, and um, and you're always really good at organising your calendars and stuff, thank goodness so any games that we were in together was dead easy to find I've played nothing like as many games as you have and I can only give you a random number or, or an estimate I think it's probably an average of one a week, I reckon it's sub 50 mm-hmm. now sub 50 in comparison to your 130 doesn't sound like a lot but I tell you what, back before we were doing any online gaming at all I'd have been delighted with 50. Mm. That'd have been a strong number. Um, Especially when I start to look at what's been played. I've finished campaigns, I've started campaigns. There's quite a few one shots in there, as you would imagine. What's your spread like across your 130,
0: mate? Is there a mix of short and long form, I'm sure? Yeah, so I've I've played 30 different systems over there, which is pretty good. Deadlands for Savage World, we're on a campaign of that for, uh, and did one shots, so that's like 14 sessions. Barbarians of Murray did a lot of again. Had a little short campaign. Dean Dizzle, a few sessions of that as well. I had a, a game of Theoros. Uh, so yeah, like the Tuesday group of are playing, we do sort of six to ten weeks at a time. So there's quite a few of those that where I've had um, you know proper go at something. And then there's been other stuff mixed in as well. So we're currently doing the Call of Cthulhu Wicked City, the one set in mm-hmm. Berlin, the Weimar Republic. Uh, we've done that. We've done the first two. Uh, adventures in that for of a word, scenarios, which are multi session really, because online sessions tend to be shorter than real ones anyway. So that's been interesting with a rotating GM. So someone else did the first one, I've the second one, someone else did the third. And then you and now in a, a Blades game as well. And that's, that's mm. been interesting from the point of view of we're doing a sort of like short run campaign of it, but every week it's a different GM and literally everyone in the game is taking a turn at GMing at some point. So that kind of sharing out of responsibility and trying different things out over a, a reasonable length of time rather than just playing one shots. So I think it really allows you to get into the like the the workings, the guts of the game and get a good feel for it. And it does it actually, you know, do what you want it to do? And does it feel good? And what, what are the benefits of playing for more than one week? I think that's something mm. that you can only get sometimes from playing for a few weeks and, and doing a story arc or a, a TV series length running it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think back to when we've done these shows before. I think we always go into every new year thinking, Let's get a campaign played. I think that's the, that's our gold standard type of gaming, isn't it? Yeah. And we could argue about what a campaign is. I don't think a campaign has to be something that takes place over ten real years, for no. example. But I don't think it's anything less than double-digit sessions. So, you yeah, that's a pretty pretty broad approach to defining it. But we always think, yeah, let's get some campaign again. Let's really get into the meat of it. Let's, uh, you know, able to change the pace, change the tone. Have have more than one character, perhaps you know, really feel like you're getting into something, and it's been a mixed year for me with campaigning. If if I hold the year to that kind of standard, I mean, early on in the year I finished a D and D campaign, which had started as a one shot two years earlier, and um, and we played pretty much every week, taking us from you know level one to level fifteen, yeah, about fifteen, maybe fourteen, and that was two years of weekly play and I have no idea how it happened I genuinely did not plan to do this nobody planned to do this but we kept coming back for more and it was really our pandemic campaign as well because we were pushed into online very very early in fact I think that's why we did the first one shot it's like we can't get together what are we going to do I'll just grab something off D&D Beyond got roll ups and characters lads let's see what happens Um, and it started with the D&D Essentials box set so I didn't expect that to turn into a long campaign and at the end of it i was kind of glad to see the back of it in the nicest possible way it's like that's done and that's an achievement and we've got we'll always have our memories of what happened in that campaign and and my group um did a really good job of pulling together all the loose threads at the end and it was a it was a proper story but there's a proper end to it we won't go back we don't need to go back that's done and that was with six players online which is not the easiest thing to achieve. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that might be one of the reasons why I was glad to see the back of it. But as far as campaigns go, there wasn't a lot else in my year. In fact, there was a few stalled campaigns, which are, they go into my regrets list. I have got a few regrets for last year, definitely. Um, And not getting proper campaigns really up and running, like, you know, off the ground was definitely in there. Most of my other stuff was... A lot of D and D, a lot of Five E, a shocking amount of Five E. Really, when I look back at it, it's almost the entirety of what I was playing, and they were ostensibly campaigns, but they've been spotty. They've just been spotty from uh, and just due to scheduling, uh, due to sometimes you love it, sometimes you don't like it so much, and they felt really episodic. So that's no one's fault, but it hasn't really felt doesn't feel like we're playing campaigns. Feels like playing D and D,
0: right? Uh, Yeah, and that's the difference. And that, that's what I think I mean by the TV series thing, where we've mentioned before. If you have campaigns and you sort of like you have a hiatus, then quite often you never go back to it, and it just mm. ends, and it feels a bit unsatisfying. But uh, doing sort of six to eight weeks, say, if you're aiming for that and get it complete, it feels like a TV season, and you can yeah. have a break off and go back to it and do another TV season's worth. And doing six or eight at a time doesn't feel that unachievable. Sure. And I found people tend to they'll tend to try and get to the end of it, they, they want to complete it almost, whereas if you're doing a d campaign and it's open ended, I think there's just a tendency for people to maybe drift away from it, or not really too much, because it doesn't feel like there's an end point to drive towards, so you kind of, it's just forever floating around. So Star Trek Adventures is the one that we've played a full season of, and then we started again recently, so that's nice, that to see us come back to something, and it, it does feel for something that's based on a TV show. Having a TV series worth of stuff and doing it episodically like that mm. really sort of fits. Yeah, I think I think that's my my takeaway or well, one of the takeaways from this year is having having goals or, or having a, a definition of done to use some agile phraseology. Because otherwise, something might just drift, and usually that means you just end up stopping for some reason because of scheduling or whatever, and you, you have a week off and another week, and then you never go back to it, and it just it ended. It's like a TV series getting cancelled part way through or something so yeah I reckon um, small achievable goals and set some milestones and trying to get a a piece of story all done and dusted is is a good way forward yeah
1: yeah because it it has been frustrated to have grand designs big ambitions and everybody jumps on me in good faith they really do Um, but real life gets in the way so, a couple of full starts for this year, which I would, I would really like to go back and make a go of, I really would. So, you'll remember that we tried our very hardest to get The Enemy Within up and running, and um, we love Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, and we've had loads of success at running it in fairly short form stuff, haven't we, with the uh-huh. sessions that you've run, and some one-shot stuff, and um, we got some of the old lads back together, big-time old fans of The Old World and The Enemy Within stuff. And took the opportunity to go at it again with with Woofroot with, with 4. Um, and all of the new stuff that they'd done for Enemy Within. We did characters. We got excited. I did so much research, it was ridiculous. Got really nostalgic. Bought all the stuff for VTTs. Really made an effort. Played one session. Enjoyed it. Couldn't get the second session. Couldn't Just couldn't get it in the diary, could we? No. For weeks and weeks and weeks. And then that became months and months and months. And then you're thinking whose idea was it to run this campaign which is in the best world possible is going to take years to complete we didn't even make it to session two and that just goes to show like how you know sometimes the best laid plans etc not because it was a rubbish game not because it was a system that we didn't like or any of the usual reasons why sometimes these things can fall over but we just never got the momentum and i think at some point you just have to look at your game and go that's this is this this campaign we're in we're not really in it, are we? Because it's not actually happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't that night or that evening slot be better off if we all just agreed that that wasn't happening anymore, and then it frees it up again, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, it was more than one of those, unfortunately,
0: for me this year. But which was a real shame to not, not get things up and going. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in another Warhammer game with uh, some of my German friends, but that was proving to be that was like another weekly game along with my Tuesday group so doing Monday and Tuesday nights having to do every week was proving too much especially with the infrequent other games that I was running another night so I playing it so uh, yeah as Logan Ninefingers would say you've got to be realistic about these things and that's <laughs> it's another takeaway of Rabbit he's like yeah doing the Warhammer campaign sounded great but if I think if everybody who was supposed to be part of it had, had a proper think about it and said can mm-hmm. I do this every Saturday or every other Saturday or something the answer would have been no from the start but you yeah. kind of get excited and want to try it but I think as you, as you say if it's not working, you've got to be realistic with each other and say, "Let's free this night up because it's not happening." I
1: mean. Yeah. And the other, the other killer for some of the longer form stuff is just generally that kind of shiny newness that something else comes along and mm-hmm. and the GM gets all excited and you tend to drop all your other stuff and go, oh, "I never liked those," which is rubbish. But we, um, in my group, uh, you weren't in this one at all. Uh, we played Forbidden Lands uh, and we did six, eight sessions, I think, quite early in the year. Uh, Steam Forge Matt was running it. We really enjoyed it, really, really good sessions um, but we played it by the book because that's how we like to do it and after about half a dozen sessions, we, as players, <laughs> we, were, we were kind of enjoying it, our player characters have been beaten to death more <laughs> than once, starved, isolated got exposure, <laughs> just I mean, we've been brutalised by by the setting, by the system, <laughs> by everything and then and we were doing it online as well which just brutalised us even more and, and I think that one of the issues with that and this is completely self-inflicted is I actually quite like Forbidden Lands I've, there's, I think there's a lot to recommend it some of it just doesn't really work that well and unfortunately we would just forgotten to bring any player drives to the campaign mm-hmm. so after six to eight sessions we had a little bit of a summit meeting as we'd got to civilization and realised that our ambition was to get like a hot bath and not killed one night <laughs> we'd achieved that and then we all looked at each other as PCs and thought what are we doing? And we yeah. didn't really have a firm answer to that. We didn't mm-hmm. have a firm answer. There was exploration, which is built into Forbidden Lands as part of like the core gameplay. But then there was also building your domain, whether that be a stronghold or a castle or whatever. And that's a fundamental piece of the game. And doing the two together seemed to be at odds with each other. And as a party, we weren't really sure how best to progress. And so I wouldn't say the game was broken. I wouldn't say it was bad. We were really enjoying the game matt was putting loads into it and some of the resources we had were lovely and it was working really well online but we just picked up a different game yeah and that one was just (laughs) you look back and realize you know that game we put on hiatus in march it's december (laughs) (laughs) we're not going back are we yeah and they they never write they never phone these games never (laughs) call you back
0: Yeah, so there's, there's a couple that spring to mind. There was um, Star Wars, we played a session, a, session, a season of, which I, I really enjoyed. Mm. And we met, got back to that, but we'd want different characters. And it's that sort of thing you said about player drives Is one of the characters said, oh, I want to be a droid. And I was like, oh no, I want you to be a droid as well. And the third person said, Well, I did. And the fourth player was like, oh, I just wanted to be human and normal. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you people? But then they decided, Oh, well, you know, I can be the mechanic and I'm looking after all you droids. We thought, Oh, that'd be cool. And in our heads, we were mm. playing our own little version of the Mandalorian, where three of us were droids and we had a human mechanic we kept around to look after us, sort of thing. But after a session or two, the shine had worn off that, and we didn't really have drives per se because we were droids and we're quite one dimensionally. knowledge mm. what we wanted to do, or our programming. So the game kind of we enjoyed it, but we haven't rushed back because, as you say, it's not it wasn't player driven at all. We didn't feel like we there was anything we wanted to do or achieve or why we'd be together almost to a certain degree. Mm so that one's kind of got canned I, I wouldn't mind going back to Star Wars at all but we'd have to do something different to get us engaged and get our teeth into it and I think that's that's an important part of gaming that we've discussed many times about doing session zeros and stuff like that yeah. but get, getting your driver out of what do we do and what we're trying to achieve I think that's, that's very important and it's just been brought into highlights with games like the one I've just mentioned
1: I'm definitely taking that forward mate the, the games that have had legs have been where we've had something to do as a party the games that haven't when we've just said shall we play such and such and we've assumed that the setting and the system and the scenarios, the three S's would just carry us along until we stopped but but there's no momentum in that if the the players don't show up and and I think those drives can be really simple you could easily be playing a thief who just wants to get as much gold as possible that would be more than some of the characters I've played this year have had, yeah. shockingly. <laughs> where well, I think I've put together some good characters. I mean, I, I quite like my characters, and I've done a lot of playing this year, but I'm, I'm sort of struggling to see see. Uh, very often in games that certainly don't give you mechanical drives where you've got to do that as part of your character. If they just leave it up to me, I'm a little bit lazy. Mm. Like with D&D, you can have your your bonds and your ideals and your personality quirks. And on D and D Beyond, you just hit the old randomizer button; it gives them to you, and it's very, very simple to forget about those and to have them just not come up in play at all. Mm. Too easy. Yeah. And in, in Deadlands campaigns, you've run loads of Deadlands campaigns. If you if you don't think about it at all as a party, you just end up with a bunch of outlaws essentially just murder hoboing their way around the weird west yeah. and that doesn't sustain you for very long, it's fun in the short term nothing wrong with that at all but if campaigning is the world that you want to be in then that does not get you there you have to engage
0: yes, I think the sort of ex- exception or something that runs parallel is uh, when there's a kind of monster of the week or episodic uh, feel to the game itself mm-hmm. so the a gong game that we ran or I ran last year very much had that, like each island was separate and distinct. And the interesting thing for the players probably came through more from how their characters developed. And they didn't have to think about where the character was going per se, because it knew just a different island every week, and you are got to do a thing, but how they started interacting and what their personalities were developed throughout the game. And we get a similar thing with Vason that we played this year, in terms of you've all got your base and you've got a castle that you're trying to level up because you get little XP points for it and stuff like that. Uh, but every session is just go somewhere and solve a mystery and it was somewhere random every time, they're not connected. And so the game was not really providing anything way of um, the characters interacting per se, but because all the campaign stuff's taken care of in that respect, that you get a mission every week and you get some XP which you level things up with. That's all in the background and done. So players have a bit of a freedom or more drive to try and develop the character. Mm-hmm. And you, you get a feel for what a certain character will do in certain situations because of how it's gone before. So that's that's kind of the other way of doing it, is you provide enough structure and certainty about what the next session's going to be. I.e., we will get a letter from someone, we'll do some research, we'll do whatever, gathering clues on the train on the way there, and then we'll do a, a adventure, and then we'll level up at the end. If that structure is going to be the same every time, you can more focus on doing the character stuff and um, yep. you know developing those interactions and relationships and stuff. No, that's
1: fair. Uh, so much is dependent on on the dynamics of the of the system, the setting. The people you've got playing the game, uh, there's you know if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, there's about twenty different ways to do that, isn't there? Mm. You know, um, so that session zero can really help. I think um, one of the games that I've come back to again this year, one of my games of the year, and has been for ever since it was released, is Blades in the Dark. Played a bit of that at the start of the year, playing it again at the end of the year, and the structure that lies behind the gameplay in that, I find really conducive to a really good blend of here's what we're doing tonight. And also, what are the bigger goals? What makes you come back week after week after week? Um, And it's even built in that you can skip a week, and that actually works perfectly well in the story, or skip even longer than that if you end up in prison. So it's a a really accommodating game for lots of different needs.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and the interesting thing I've noted is that uh, some of the characters are starting to get traumas now because they've been hanging around so long that it starts to happen, and then you get rewarded for that with XP people bring it in anyway, so that, like when you're asking what do you do in this situation and some of them at, Well, I am reckless, so I'm probably gonna go mm. and do this rather than slip back in the shadows, etc. So some nice devices within the game itself which then feed back into more role playing opportunities throughout the sessions.
1: Yeah. Now you you also mentioned and I want to return to this, you were talking about you've got some rotating GMs in some of your some of your games that you've been playing this weekend and Blades is one of those. So you've run it, I've run it, every player in in the session takes turns in the gm's chair for that that's not the only time that's happened to me this year i've had um, been part of a superheroes gaming one-shot club we've done three games to date and they've all been three different superhero games with different gms and different systems each time and that's really refreshing especially when you start seeing little links holding in from one to the other yeah it's like having um having different directors on a season like the Mandalorian um, and different writers but they've all got that kind of basic meta plot behind them and the big setting that they can all pull from. It's quite nice to shine different types of spotlight on different types
0: of game, keeps it really fresh Mm. Yes uh, and it's an interesting challenge, it seems intimidating at first before you try it Uh, and Blades have kind of picked up other people's NPCs and used them a bit or tried to build other stories and it's I think you can worry if you have just used to playing a traditional style and having one gem and, and don't try this. If you feel like well, what, what's someone else going to do to my story and how can you have secrets that are revealed and there's all kinds of fairly reasonable questions that you might ask yourself before you try it but if you're playing uh, the sort of game that Blades is where you don't prep too much and you're not playing with idiots, you're playing with nice people who are going to be respectful with other people's stuff. And not break their toys while you're not in the GMC. Then I think it all works out really nicely. There's a little bit of tentativeness at first. You're trying to like not step on each other's toes, and you kind of carve out little bits of the city that one person might have that other person don't, or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's all worked really well so far. I've not, I've not had any bad experience of it this year. As I say, I've tried it sort of two or three times in different games, and it seems to be working out really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In in the Supers one that we've been doing, um, we have had it very, very light touch where the campaign worlds touch each other at all. So we're playing across the whole globe. And I guess if we continue another 10 sessions, some of those links might get stronger and stronger. But at the moment, we've got stuff like, you know, in the second game, people were on the tube in London. And you could see on the headline on the newspapers was the events of the previous Adventure that was happening in New York yeah. The week before yeah. And that's just easy stuff to do To just reference each other's games Have little guest stars, use media All of that kind of stuff And it really works in a supers session as well We got—we played um, Sentinel Sentinel was RPG uh, Fate and Icons Which is similar to Fate mm-hmm. So three different systems, three different sets of rules All ostensibly on the planet Earth And one of them was set in World War 2 So that's already going back into history But we're already thinking These are all linked This is like you know, the Marvel Comics universe They don't have to reference each other exactly But why can't they all happen at the same place And it's a really fun conceit And Blaze does it brilliantly And is built for it, I think mm-hmm. Supers, it worked pretty well I'd love to take it into fantasy And to see what happens um, You know, in a, maybe a, a shared world Or it doesn't even have to be that Like an island chain or something and you could bring your Savage Fantasy game to it. You could bring your your RuneQuest game to it, maybe outside of Glorantha, and just you know mush these all together and see if there's some uh, some threads that everyone can start to pull at.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, it's also been interesting. I think you were talking about like games that go on hiatus. I think for me, there's been a couple of games that have been more the kind of narrative approach ones than proper traditional ones. Um, that we've cut short from the tutor group so mm-hmm. we've played the between we've played hot war but I think for that group uh, largely a couple of players are on board and get it to yeah. without being dismissive of the others and then a couple of guys don't really grasp the kind of concept behind it or haven't wholeheartedly sort of like doing the things that need to happen to make the game work I think is the, the way I'd describe it and again not, yeah. not slighting anyone I think it's just different styles of playing and stuff so We've kinda of cut those two games short, but that was alright. You know, it's good to try out different things with different people and see if they stick. Mm. And then again, if you're playing with nice people, you like no one needs to get the nose put out or joint to something if it doesn't quite work. You can all just have a grown up conversation and go, Right, everyone, are we are we happy with what's happening? I'm not really feeling it. We've all got like six other games we each want to represent to play next. We're not short sure of things that we can bring in. So let's just um you know, knock this one on the head, bring it to a nice conclusion and then move on to something else and that's that's been good to do as well uh, in the past, you know, certainly my younger years, the, the number of campaigns I was stuck in that were terrible and everybody thought they were terrible. No mm-hmm. one's having a fun time, nobody's liking it, but we all just keep trudging along because we feel like we have to, like going through Mirkwood or something. But yeah, certainly more recently, I think people are a bit more conscious of their free time and how much they've got and not wasting it if they don't want to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with having an adult conversation about like, let's part this one, this one's not really working for me. And being a bit clearer about what you like and what you don't like as well. Mm. It's um, session zero, I think is by now is an absolutely accepted thing to do in all your campaigns. One of the challenges I have with Session Zero is people being really, really honest about what they do want from the coming game. Yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity to speak, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone takes it. Mm. And for me personally, I'm not always sure what I do want from the game. I kind of don't know. I don't like it till it happens. <laughs> 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 or you know, can I have a bit more of that or a bit of less of that? So I've enjoyed checking in um, after half a dozen sessions and on almost replaying that Session Zero about like how's it going, everyone. And and that's actually what stopped us playing Forbidden Lands. We realised that we were having a good time, but it was also it was pretty onerous. It Mm. was you know high maintenance. um, You know we were having to work really hard to squeeze the good out of the game, and and we got good because we were working hard. But we kind of wanted a bit of an easier ride, and I think our poor GM did too. So you know, no one was offended, no one was hurt. We moved on. We may go back. We may not go back. It's fine. It's just gaming, isn't it? Yeah. And one of the things that when I look back over 2021 I didn't set out for it to be this way at all as I was saying earlier I've played an awful lot of 5e I think I've played enough now I think I genuinely have <laughs> just about played enough now I know you right you gave up on D&D twenty, thirty years ago right so this is like yeah, it's remember? not news to me <laughs> this is not news to you but you're always doing this to me do you remember um, do you remember the film The Commitments mm-hmm. there's um. There's a character in that called Jimmy Rabbit. He's like the band's manager. Right. And I remember a quote from that film. Someone says, like, the best thing about you, Jimmy, was you were the first person to get into Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. He goes, And they said, but you're also the first person to realise they was shit. <laughs> 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 that's basically you with RPGs, isn't it? Probably. It takes me a bit longer. <laughs> There's
0: more three-point required before you get to see where my point of view is,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean I've been a D and D booster for donkeys years now, and believe you me, since the year two thousand I have played it pretty religiously. And when I look back at probably yeah in excess of ninety percent of the games I've played this year have been D and D. All you know, mixture of one shots, long term stuff, finished a campaign, started two other campaigns, enough is enough. On this mm. sort of stuff, but I don't feel bad about that because that's twenty-one years of playing D and D almost every week.
0: Yeah, I've not I done many things for twenty-one years every week. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things about it because we've we just played a couple of sessions, haven't we? Because I was running my yes. play test for my new uh, new D and D thing, which will be on DM Guild very shortly. It, it's just onerous. Like we we had we had fun sessions, but like GMing mm. it, it was just tough. It was work, you know, and. Part of that, I think, as we've discussed previously, is being online. And if we were around a table, and I could have had some photocopies and handouts and stuff to hand, mm-hmm. that would have been a lot easier than just rolling a D twenty. But actually having to have a bunch of different monster stats and tabs up and to click buttons to make it all happen, and uh, remember all the bits and pieces that are needed It's online, especially when you can't have the fun bits, where there's the characters speaking to other characters and that kind of like banter that goes and all yeah. those sort of things it does feel more like work than running something like for example barbarians of lemuria which is really simple and it doesn't matter as much that you're online you can still sort of all monkey about and have chats and do whatever else and and the system bit happens quite easily so yeah certainly for online gaming which we're doing a lot of as great as D may be uh, depending on your personal preference it is actually work compared to a lot of games yeah it is,
1: and 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 sometimes that work can be enjoyable work. That lonely fun of putting together encounters and looking through all that content, um, that's good fun uh, to a degree. But you know, I think I think I've had my eyes have been open to other games all this time. I've always played other games as well. It's not never been an issue. And and sometimes over some games of Five E this year, I have sat through an encounter which is obviously going to be a bit slower than usual because of the online commitments that we all have to deal with and I've sat there thinking Barbarians would have done this by now Mm. Savage would have done this by now if I was playing Dungeon World it would have maybe not been done by now but it would have spun off into a really interesting place Mm. or you know what could I if this was a Blades game because you know we might be doing a heist in in, in Eberron for example and it's very similar to the format of a heist in Blades what would have happened and when you find yourself daydreaming about other ways of, of getting your session going you if you realize you've just been a bit unfaithful in your head and maybe maybe it's time to it and it isn't always it's not always about like you know a, a light system would have got it done quicker that's always been the case with D&D there's always been light systems mm. you could just do rock paper scissors if all you want is a fast resolution system yeah but it has been about that oppressive nature i wrote in the in our zine that we were doing this year uh, an article about um, an encounter that we had um, in an Eberron game which just involved us trying to rush through a guarded chamber to get to the doors on the other side we didn't need to engage in a fight we didn't want to engage in a fight we had some allies with us who were going to tangle with the guards so we could dash through to the other door nobody wanted a fight the GM didn't want a fight no one wanted a fight but it's all we had on our character sheets. <laughs> and yeah. and despite you know our, our glorious DM saying I'm not even going to roll initiative for this because it's clear what you guys want to achieve but it feels like we should roll some dice we looked up an hour later we were having a fight we were we just were yeah um and no one meant it to happen but it just it is almost inevitable it was almost like that's the only solution you can have certainly in that kind of situation or the published scenarios which just rely on it and it's fine but when it's when it seems to be the majority of the time all the time there are there are other ways of moving through through that kind of campaign stuff that I started our conversation about tonight I want to get into the campaign and I don't want that just to be a string of fights and call
0: that a campaign mm. yeah yeah for sure system matters this is, this is my takeaway it will yeah. it will lead you down certain paths uh, and that was to sort of like move across a little bit something else but like that was a benefit of going to conventions again uh, and there are virtual conventions mm-hmm. ongoing which people can attend but it is that trying something else out. So one of the games I played, for example, was Old School Essentials, which mm. is a, an old flavor of D and D, basically, but tarted up a bit. And it was a good fun session, you know. Everybody around the table was on board with it, but it did cement for me that that's not a game I want to play. So <laughs> you know, as, as we, yeah. we knew anyway, I think even before I played it. But uh, it was good to be able to try it, you know, I just actually confirm that in a a fun way and not have to commit any of like, our weekly gaming schedule to it or something like that. It's you know, getting out there with someone else who's comfortable with the system and knows how it runs and be able to do something for you. And I think those samplers uh, are quite often good at giving you an idea about do I want to take this away back to my home group or something like yeah. that. You know, it's, it's good to get that taster session. So, yeah, as well as some of the old uh, favourites like Colicothilu and D&D that I've played this year, uh, it's meant I can also try some newer things like... Uh, a play test for duty and honor we've done again and things like uh, rivers of london that'll be cut out next year that mr fricker's doing and, and various bits and pieces like that mm.
1: yeah so we've we've tried some experiments haven't we and that, that's been really good one of the ones that we were doing together uh sort of mid-year time remember we had a crack at conan mm. and that was interesting so fantasy is my jam that's my main thing i'm looking through my list of games is that there's one game on there that isn't fantasy outside of that little super stuff And that nearly was fantasy as well. So Conan was a really good little experiment, and we started it with two D twenty, which would have been. I'm sure that it was a new game for me. I think it was a new game for you as well. Don't know if you'd done two D twenty Conan before. Yeah, different two D twenty games, but not Conan. I
0: think
1: think we tried a few, hadn't we? But as as a core system, we kind of knew the basics and then uh, we went into Conan um, with a really good set of players and GM and all of us again as usual all bright eyed, dewy uh, <laughs> desperate to get some Conan and we made a really good start I remember cracking characters as well we used the online generators quite a lot of crunch in there and I hadn't quite committed to like owning all of the books at that point but it wasn't too long before we transitioned the campaign into a completely new rule system and that led us to Barbarians of Lemuria yeah. and for me that was one of the massive highlights of the year those barbarians games are just allowed, just opened up it like a weight off your shoulders, wasn't it, for all of us? It's just allowed us to play some games and lean into tropes. Yes, it's a light game, but there is actually quite a bit of, there's some chunk to it yeah. when you want there to be. It's, those, those numbers don't mean nothing, they're there for a reason. Really good, fun games. Um, and we polished off Conan with that. We moved into your games with that. And they've been kind of like, um, They've been like our foundational games now, haven't they, for like scenario invention and you know, thinking about what would it take if can but what would barbarians say is not a bad little thing to have in the back of your mind when you're designing scenarios. Yeah. Really good system.
0: Yeah, and it was it's a little bit strange that one of the barbarian scenarios that I wrote turned out to be the thing I wrote for DM's Guild in D and D in the end. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just uh a decision around if I publish a Barbarians scenario, which I'm not even sure I'd be allowed to do legally anyway, I'd have to look into licensing and stuff. Mm. Would it sell as many as something with d d on the front? Probably not, is the answer. Yep. Yep. But again, there's more work involved in that. So from a day-to-day running things perspective, Barbarians all day long for me. Mm. Yeah, so that, that takes us into your scenario. The Bone
1: Alchemist that was released in May. Can you believe that? It's not a year old yet. Feels like a long, time, it was ago. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant to get that out the door, though, and to get a, a terrific reception for it as well. Because we definitely said at the start of the year, let's see if we can publish some more stuff. So, you got your scenario out there. We did. Um, I got to publish Great Rock Race for King of Dungeons. That was back in March, written by Neil Gow. Lovely piece of work. Please do check it out. And we did our zini for. We did ten issues. Of our Zini. I think we've done probably about 150 pages of written content, which we be given to our glorious patrons, who've kept the show on the road over the course of the year. That's good. And I hope that everyone enjoyed that. It was, uh, it was good fun to write. We did a lot of writing for that. We did a lot of writing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that's a big tick in the box for like, you know, are we going to publish some stuff this year? We did.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I, I published some free league stuff as well. I Did one for Vason and one for um, Tales from the Loop. So, Absolutely, so have done it right as well so that was, that was nice to get some stuff out there and none of this is big book stuff either it's, you know, it's quite lightweight it's quite cheap in terms of what we get, we're giving away or we, we're writing but it's, um, it's a bit of validation isn't it and I think that's something that people look for generally in the gaming. whether they're a content creator of whatever form whether it is you've got a blog or a podcast or you put something on drive through wherever it might be uh, even if it's only a dollar or two for sales and things, or contributions people make, that just feel it's a little bit of you're not on your own. You're not screaming into the void. You're not writing for no reason. You, you at least get some validation that people, other people, are enjoying what you're doing. I think that's nothing we're going to retire on, but it's good to feel that other people are digging our stuff, so to speak.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and um, you know, the, the one of the big achievements for 2021 personally quite aside from all the role-playing sessions that we've done or even the writing that we've done or the consultation work we've done for people or advice we've given is every time somebody gets in touch that i've never heard of and especially for the people i have heard of but even if someone new it's like i really massively and i know you do too i just hugely appreciate it when we get an email or a dm on twitter or something comes through to us in whatever format at all and um, it's always positive it's always constructive we get asked questions we get asked for advice we just sometimes get sad, told thanks lads have a cup of coffee on us and that's really really good so you know we we must be smashing through 150 episodes now and the Smart Party Podcast has been has been my rock over this year certainly because it's been a bloody horrible year for lots of different reasons with all kinds of health issues and every other kind of nightmare that everyone's had to suffer through and it's been brilliant to get together every couple of weeks talk about games And I want to talk about some of the guests we've had on this year as well Mm. who've been who've been with we have never been refused a request to come on to the smart party podcast which is incredible in itself and every guest has been a really interesting conversation of at least an hour and sometimes we've been privileged enough to have conversations after hours as well where we
0: get the real skinny
1: (laughs) and that's that's an absolute pleasure
0: yeah definitely and like probably going if we go back to front even Shane Leslie Hensley was uh, the most recent guest we had on. And yep. I, I don't think either of us could believe that we hadn't had him on before now. I it's, know. It's, it's one of the first people we've invited on because I love Savage Worlds. I know you're uh, no stranger to it yourself. Uh, and it seems crazy that in the whatever it is, five plus years we in the podcast, we hadn't asked him yet. I think part of it was finding an address for him. It took me a little while to dig around and find out how to get in touch. <laughs> but, but once I'd done that, uh, yeah, and he it, and it was like, like yeah, most of our generous guests, like really generous with his time. We had a bit of a recording problem at the start, but we fixed that up. And you know, it just I had lots of cool stories to tell and anecdotes of other stuff. And you know, as we've built up this stable of guests that we've spoken to, they have sort of stories about each other as well, or know someone that we're, we've talked about or we talked to. And it, it all—it's just yeah, it's just a really good web of people we've sort of built up in the industry, and they are mostly. Just really fun gamers like ourselves who enjoy playing games and want to chow out of them like we did. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've done a, probably about a dozen interviews over the course of this year. We normally do about that. Um, I've got some names. I've just done a little bit of research into back cattle. We opened up with Francesco talking about the One Ring, mm. which was a fantastic interview for for a product that's now dropping, isn't it? Isn't it? We, we talked about it in February. It's now getting into people's hands about about this time which just goes to show the lead in. That was a fantastic interview. And that was in the same month as we interviewed Jonathan Tweet, who's yeah. a returning guest for us. So, you know, we're setting the bar pretty high at the start of the year and we kept it going all the way through. Dennis have returned for more. Always a fantastic guest. On. Dennis is amazing. Uh, Matthias from Free League. Uh, we talked to Sean Tompkin about um, about uh, Ironsworn Star-forged. and Starforged. Yeah. Yeah. Which which I pledged a lot of money towards, and I'm really hoping <laughs> to see that next year. Uh, we talked to Mike Shea, which was actually for me personally was my favourite interview of the year. Better known as Sly fr- Flourish to many, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about his approach to scenario prep with his return of the Lazy DM books. I found Mike just just so positive and and full of enthusiasm for for running his games and doing it his way and pushing up from just just being a fan to like publishing his own stuff and getting a right little kingdom going for himself. And there was a man who was living his best life, frankly, <laughs> and was still happy to talk to us. We talked to the Bakers, Vincent and Meg. That was my
0: favourite of this year. Yeah.
1: You know, again, it could easily have been my favourite interview of the year. In the same month as we had Chris McDowell come back to us to tell us about uh, Into the Odd and his Kickstarter. Jason Cordova as well quite recently. Um, who is, you know, outside of outside of the the regular suspects is my favourite podcaster for Fear of a Black Dragon. I love that podcast. It's really good to have him on. Shane you've mentioned and and I think that's probably about it. There may have been some more apologies if I've missed anybody out, but what a star studded cast that's been for interviews.
0: Yeah, I mean that's if you listen to no other podcast than those, that they're a good solid set of things and, and it's It's great to speak to people like Shane, for example, talked about how he plays Savage Worlds every week. Still, it's not, you know, it's not like interviewing someone who's just there to kind of show the product. Like when Francesco spoke to us, he was delighted to speak to us because we're gamers and he could talk about game stuff with us. And it wasn't doing the media rounds because you know the One Ring was a what was it a million dollar Kickstarter more than that, Uh, and a lot of Kickstarters this year have been millions or multi millions of dollars and. That does lead to some people having to do interviews or various things, where they're just going through the the, the rounds, where they're just saying the basic same questions and answers to all of them. Uh, and I think people do appreciate coming on our show because, uh, well, one we know what we're talking about because we have played a lot of the games already and we've researched them and we you know we we do them, we live it and breathe it, uh, and it gives them the opportunity to just talk like a bit of a fan of their own stuff, as as most of them are. They're doing it not just for for the cash, but for the love of the hobby and doing it. And, uh, having like minded people like that to chat to, I think everybody wins out of that, the listeners most of all. Yeah. Yeah,
1: gaming is a conversation at every single level, isn't it? Um, it took Vincent Baker to write that in a gaming book for it to become obvious, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a game is a conversation. Uh, and our podcast is nothing but a recorded conversation that we've been having since 1991 or something silly like that. And then when we get guests on as well, it's just conversation. And, you know, actual play may be the thing that everybody tunes into but for me talking and the conversation about the games is is just as important perhaps more so um, and that brings us full circle back around to conventions and talking about games and, and getting that conversation going and, and the conversation has never been better for gaming it's just in a lot of different places mm. uh, so just trying to hold it all together is tricky so you know we, we try and bring people together on this podcast so that they could talk with us we could talk with them we always ask our our listeners for questions, and it's great when we can get them, and we're going to continue to do that I think next year. We're going to bring people in so that we can just extend that conversation amongst
0: those who want to hear it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, if there are people we should be talking to, like, don't be frightened of letting us know, although I've already started making my little list of uh, people we're going to go and hunt down and make come and talk to our games. Uh, we did try and get some more of the d d design team on this year, but um, things just didn't work out, and it's, it's a little bit tougher with those guys, because they work for a proper company and if someone's going to spend an hour on a podcast that has to be put in a diary somewhere and it has to be worth their time and stuff like that and you have to go through a PR agency so that stuff's a little bit tricky but we'll, we'll try again next year because I'm I think there's a couple of people we still haven't had that we should have that are that the it, the yeah. given our popularity we need to complete the set. that's right it's like pokemon <laughs> or something you got to catch them all but there's there's other designers and some repeat guests that we should have on to speak to and I think another aspect we kind of get is quite often People will tell us little bits that perhaps isn't in a you know a release or whatever. Like Francesco tried to give us a couple of little excerpts before anyone else knew about the One Ring and stuff like that. And you know, Chen a, a sort of tell us about his stories from Games Workshop or things like a little funny anecdotes. And uh, we got some like insights into Pendragon, the new edition that's, that'll be out mm. next year and stuff. From Dave Larkins, for example. You know, the, there's just like bits that come out from speaking to certain people that you perhaps don't get in press releases or. Just from following the company blog or something like that. Yeah, yeah, looking
1: back, mate, it's been a goldmine, um, and it's it's just really good that people still want to talk about games and play games and buy games. Hobbies in rude health, right? Yes. And I think for a few years now, no one's ever, no one's justifiably been able to say this hobby is going to end. It's all going to come crashing down. It just keeps building and building. And if anything, it's getting bigger and bigger. Kickstarter is obviously a major piece of that. And um, with the million-dollar kickstarters that have happened this year, and and the less, the less wealthy kickstarters as well. Zinequest, which we covered mm-hmm. in depth at the start of the year, people asking for a hundred quid to get their zine out, and that's landed through my letterbox a few times over this year, and they've been lovely things, really beautiful things that are just full of the heart and soul of the designer. That's never been better. So there's still plenty of stuff coming down the pipe. Companies like KSEM seem to just be going gangbusters at the moment. They're just like really up their release schedule, their game. Wizards are getting out more hardbacks than they've done in years. Um and there's, you know, tentative rumours of a sixth edition or a revised edition to come which is only going to revitalize stuff. Mm-hmm. It's um you add all of that up into free League seem to bring out a game every Tuesday, I think it is. It seems <laughs> no, to be every Tuesday and Thursdays, yeah. <laughs> there is no shortage of content, and, <laughs> and we just appreciate that we're kind of responsible for putting a bit more content in people's ears every couple of weeks as well. So, if you managed to find time to listen to us this year, thank you very much.
0: But there will be more. <laughs> yeah, and then there's cool stuff like you know you've written a couple of pieces for Weird Science magazine, for example. That's oh, yeah. one of the things our older listeners will uh, will sort of like frequently bemoan the fact there's not a role-playing game magazine anymore, like there used to be back in the good old days you know, early editions of Watch Dwarf, whatever else, but now there's, there is, there is, I mean, it has to be kickstarted, and that's the way it funds, but we have got, like, a, a gaming magazine, uh, and that sort of thing, that's, it's yeah, the the hobby and uh, ancillary things are in rude health, one of the other big kickstarters that happened, was it this year, last year, can't remember, but the, the Vox Machina animated series, which is the oh, critical nice. role... Uh, campaign that they're turning into a show and that's going to be I think actually the first episode is in something like end of January next year or something so only about a month away before it comes to Amazon Prime Uh, and you'll be able to watch like our actual role-playing campaign on TV which is something that seems well would have been unheard of a couple of years ago but now it's like just happening and uh, you know hooray for us (laughs) and the hobby for that sort of thing happening so,
1: shall we play the fools' game then? Of what does twenty twenty two look like? Mm. So, you know, cause I've said in the past silly things like I'm going to run GURPS transhuman space this year. Which I'm still waiting to that. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that this time. Um, so, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be trying to be reasonably sensible about this. I've got some goals for twenty twenty two personally. I'm not even going to try and play the whole. What's the role play game world going to look like next year? I just think there will be more of it, and it will be another very successful year. Mm-hmm. But I've got some personal goals. But but what about you, mate? Have you got anything in mind? Stuff that needs to be tied off. Stuff that needs to be
0: started. Uh, well, as I mentioned, I've got another another bit of writing, a new D D D scenario that will be out. It will be next year now. I've run out of days in this year to get it finished, but that's getting uh, reviewed and proofread and stuff right now. So that'll be. Yeah, that's good. And I'd like to write more. I've noticed that um, Savage Worlds or Pinnacle have got their little workshop thing where you can do community uh, produce as well. So. I think you and I might even collaborate on something like that but again, just getting some more stuff out there I'm forever writing convention scenarios and stuff, uh, so I just need to write them up a bit better so they're available for publication so that's that's my goal is to write more of that stuff. There's plenty of games I still want to play. The One Ring as you say is dropping soon so it would be good to go back to Middle Earth again. Mm-hmm. Excited to play that and I want to get a Savage Worlds fantasy game of some sort going because that's just one I've not done. Like I managed to get a Savage Worlds campaign done this year and Ideally, someone like a good friend, Guy Milner from the Burn After Running blog, he suggested he might look at fa- uh, doing some, fan- well, not fancy, but for Sammy's Worlds or something. So something like that'd be good as well. But um, yeah, more of the same. I, I ran about forty percent of my games last year, uh, which is not a bad average. Yeah, arguably I should be playing more than that. But uh, yes, get to more conventions. They should be coming back online again, um, as in back into Meat Space, not online, online. But mm. that'd be good. Get to meet some more people uh, and just carry on this, carry on the momentum we've got. Um, I'm slightly concerned that a lot of my friends or whatever who I've been playing online with might be playing in real life now, and they don't live in Nottingham. They're as far away as Amsterdam or America or somewhere like that. So yeah, um, yeah. Fingers crossed. I can still keep playing games uh, over Zoom and stuff, uh, and keep in touch with people like yourself who are hundreds of miles away. Yeah
1: yeah okay well that's a sensible set of uh, set of goals mate I think if we wrote those down we re- revisit them in a year I'm hoping you'll get a lot of ticks for that mm-hmm. I think you probably will uh, my New Year's resolution I need to keep better records <laughs> it's been a really interesting day trying to go back and research my own life and finding uh, I don't remember much about it <laughs> so I want to do that I want to keep a few better records uh, not not much just you know keep, it, keep a note um, I need to GM a lot more I'm sure I need to GM a lot more I've kind of in the last couple of years, I've GM'd less and less as it's been, really, it's been easy to do because there's so many excellent GMs around these days, mm. which is fantastic. And I want to play in loads of different things. I've done a lot more playing this year than I've ever done. I think I've GM'd fewer than five games wow. this year. Okay. Um, if, I, if I'm honest about it, it's probably about that. I did finish off a campaign right at the start of the year but outside of that the minute I put down my screen from that and someone else picked up I don't think I've played anything more than run anything more than one shots so that's probably about 90% playing which has taught me loads it's really easy to be a good GM when you're the player
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really easy to be a great player when you're the GM mm-hmm. so the, 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 they really bounce off each other I want to I want to bring some of the lessons I've learned as a player into GMing this year and um, I want to do some more publishing as well I have got a it feels like it's overdue it's not really I've got some stretch goals for King of Dungeons which I have yet to deliver upon um, for which I am blaming many things that not least of which is the pandemic but also it's just yeah it's nearly there I just need to push myself on to get that done I've got if you are waiting I appreciate your patience what I'm working on is actually quite a big chunk of stuff simultaneously so it's not like the next one's nearly ready and then I haven't thought about the ones after that I'm kind of doing six things simultaneously so I think it will be it will be worth the wait and if I can get that out it will be a big splash um, for your King of Dungeons content um, so I am looking forward to do that but I've kind of intimidated myself into going too slow so I think I'm going to try and get stuff out a bit quicker in 2022 that might mean it needs to be done a bit more dirtier as in maybe not the professional layout standards that, that we've you know, I think we've learnt a lot about layout in the last couple of years, maybe, mm-hmm. and I think that's been terrific. But it, in in some ways, that kind of holds you back from just getting it out there. That's right. Yeah. And then the last thing is kind of already underway is I've got my little solo project for RuneQuest because I put out a tweet just before Christmas, uh, half joking really. Because as any long term listener to this show will know, is RuneQuest is just a path I never took. It's one you definitely took, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Back in the yeah, day, I yeah, played Um, and I did not and I think I need to remedy that so I said KSEM you send me a copy of the game um, and I'll make a project out of it, blog about it talk about it, review it do characters, write games, play it and tell you how that is for a veteran gamer who's a real noob to Glorantha and they've come through and they've delivered on that so I put together a quick and dirty little mini podcast that's going to sit alongside where I kind of want to do nothing but RuneQuest for January, February, March and really give it a good shake and if at the end of that I love it well good I've got you know got a good bedrock if I don't love it fine I've got three quarters of the year to do something else yeah I don't know which one it's going to be but I'm going to give it a good go in good faith and tell everybody about how that works as it goes so that will definitely happen it's already started so you can actually look up uh, RuneQuest Year Zero is the name of the side project and it's available. Where have
0: you got this podcast from, really? <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. As you say, I've I've probably got uh, a bit more, well, a lot more depth and knowledge about that area. So it'd, mm. it'd be fun seeing you go for it. Because it's something I've advocated for for a long time with Kersting as well. Until like, how do people get into this game? You know, it's, it's always been a stumbling block that there isn't a mm. decent starter set. But the, the product they brought out is it must be a lost leader because you get a ton of stuff for not very much money. Um, so yeah watching you and and maybe joining along on some games and stuff on on that journey will be uh, really fascinating yeah cool
1: so no let up if anything we're going to go in even harder for 2022 2021 was a bit of a mad year Mm. 2022 is going to continue to be mad that's the only thing we know right it's just going to be mad
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, so I I suppose the only thing we've got left to say now rather than ramble on for another hour which we could do easily is uh, thanks to you our listeners and anyone who's a patron or give us some coffee dollars or anything else like that even if you just like share retweet tell your mates about it get your mum to listen whatever it is the podcast thrives because of your little bits of validation when you click like or reshare or post it on facebook or drop us a patreon dollar whatever it is you do to support us give us a kind word at a convention or writing to tell us what you'd like to hear more of all those things are the things that keep us motivated and excited and wanting to do more of it thank
1: you everyone and um There'll be more to come. Happy New Year!